Easter Sunday is not only the most important day of the Christian year, but also the first Sunday of a series of eight Sundays that ends with Pentecost. During these eight weeks, we celebrate the victories the risen Christ won for us. These victories are Easter gifts given to bring about the growth of a new people, gifts that continue to make us new today. So with shouts and songs of Alleluia, we celebrate the gifts of the risen Christ and present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you. The second reading for Easter Day is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 to 57. This will serve as the basis for the sermon today. The Apostle Paul says, Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is risen. I have to confess that I was worried. Members of Chloe's household brought the report, and I have had a hard time sleeping. The struggles you're dealing with, the issues you are wrestling with, the mistakes you have made, your weaknesses that have flared up, all make my mind spin like a top, and my heart ache. What what could I do? I, of course, had you in my prayers every morning as I woke, every evening when I went to sleep. And why would I not? Because I had spent a year and a half with you in your midst in Corinth, as your spiritual father. But the report, a laundry list. You have been playing favorites regarding preachers. You have brushed aside a case of public sin as though it were no big deal. You've been running to court to sue fellow members of your church over trivial matters, giving Christianity a bad name. Some of you have been playing fast and loose with your marriage commitments. Some of you have been behaving like sex-starved animals. You have trampled on the sensibilities of the weak. You have considered money more important than ministry. Some of you act as though gender distinction does not matter. You have treated the Lord's Supper as though it were happy hour. 
Love your neighbor has flown out the window. You've been bragging about your gifts and abilities, forgetting the greater gift from God, faith. And your worship services have deteriorated into shouting matches. But what concerns me the most is the report that the intelligentsia, the brainiacs in your community, have formed an alliance with media makers and have combined to undercut what matters most. Your certainty in the existence of the only true God and his desire to pull you into his love. So, I, Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, am writing this letter to you, the church of God in Corinth. I will help you sort through and sort out the issues that you are dealing with, but in the end, as a capstone, at the end of this letter, I will lay out the one glorious truth that you can announce to atheists, agnostics, skeptics, and anyone else who makes fun of you, who poo-poos what you believe, and humiliates you into thinking that you are just a bunch of monosyllabic, armpit-scratching baboons. And here it is. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Air. Such a simple thing. We breathe it, we live in it, when it moves, we enjoy it. A gentle breeze on a warm summer day, fluttering the leaves of the trees and shuffling fluffy white clouds across an azure sky, air. Doesn't seem like much. Hard to imagine air as a destructive force. But talk to a meteorologist, and he or she will explain the factors that can turn air into a destructive force. It's really not air itself that's the troublemaker, but all the other factors, like moisture in the air, air pressure, temperature changes, jet streams. When all the conditions are just right, or maybe I should say just wrong, a gentle breeze can be turned into a whirling funnel that can flatten homes, uproot trees, and lift 18-wheelers off of I-94 and deposit them in Miller Park's parking lot. Some people consider death to be no more of a threat than a gentle breeze. I asked someone, what's going to happen to you when you die? That person shrugged and said, I'll be six feet under pushing up daisies. If that's all there was to it, death wouldn't be so bad. We would just stop inhaling the molecules of this atmosphere, and it would be over. But there's more to it than that. The apostle helps us recognize the factors that churn up death to make it a destructive force. He says, the sting of death is sin. If you die with sin on your account, you have to pay for it. And the payment is not an extra charge on your visa bill. The payment is an eternity of suffering. 
as the stinger of a bee makes a bee dangerous, sin is the stinger that makes death dangerous and destructive. The apostle listed another factor that makes death destructive, the thing that makes sin pop up and stand out. He said, the power of sin is the law. God's holy law is the brilliant searchlight that exposes our faults and mistakes. It's the MRI machine that reveals the hidden dirt in our hearts and minds. And don't kid yourself, you and I have plenty of that buried deep inside. God's holy law is the accusing finger that points at you and at me personally and says, Sinner! God's holy law is the thing that builds up the factors of sin and turns death into a destructive force wanting to snag all sinners to eternal doom. By now, there are some people here who are thinking to themselves, why is he talking about sin and death? For crying out loud, it's Easter. Can't he talk about nice things? Like soldiers returning home to be reunited with their families, or humanitarian aid, or hope springs eternal stories, or cute things like bunnies, and Easter baskets, and egg hunts, and special clothes, and family feasts. Okay, I know, I've got some problems in my life, and I'm willing to admit that some of those problems are my own fault. But for crying out loud, it's Easter. I didn't get all dressed up in fancy stuff and lug my way downtown to sit through a church service to hear about yucky stuff like sin and death. If one or the other of you has that kind of thinking going through your mind, I have a response for you. Get a grip. Unless we have a firm grasp of the seamier side of our life, unless we come to grips with our own personal sin, Easter will make no sense and is a waste of time. I'm not making this up. I can only tell you what God says. Unless we first understand, really know, and sense the hurt of sin, we will never appreciate the healing that God brings. Oh, the destruction that death brings. Only a miracle can end that destruction. God worked just such a miracle on the first Good Friday. His only Son, our Savior Jesus, paid the penalty for all sin, the penalty we should have paid. The Bible tells us the blood of Jesus, God's Son, purifies us from every sin. So the apostle asked the question, where, O death, is your sting? Well, he knows the answer, and I hope you do too. The sting of death is gone because Jesus washed sin away in a flood of his blood. When we die, we will not be loaded down with the burden of our sin. Jesus took it away. When we die, we will not begin and start paying an eternity of suffering. Jesus made the payment. Instead, when we die, we're going to step into unending joy. Death no longer is the jailkeeper trying to lock us in hell. Death is the gatekeeper ushering us into heaven. As the Lord Jesus, by his miraculous power, calmed the tornadic storm in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, he has calmed the storm of death. He has ended death's destruction. 
The apostle calls out, thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It reads like a headline. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Death's destruction is done. At 3.20 in the afternoon on Palm Sunday, 1965, a tornado touched down just west of Jefferson, Wisconsin. It cut northeast through Jefferson County and chewed up farmlands and farm forestry land, cutting a swath across I-94 heading northeast. When it got to Highway 16, it snatched up two cars heading west into Watertown, flung them into the air, and smashed them down into piles of metallic junk, killing three people. We heard about that on the news at my grandma's house a few hours after it happened. It's embedded in my memory banks as a sixth grader. When the all-clear was given, we went out to check on acquaintances in the Exonia area to see if there was any trouble. The damage was unbelievable. But I'll tell you what, it's one thing to see the destruction and damage of a tornado. It's another thing to undo the damage. That takes huge amount of time, effort, money, and energy. It's one thing for Jesus to end death's destruction so we don't end up in hell. It's another thing for Jesus to undo the damage of sin and death that affects our bodies. The kids who are here today may get a chuckle at this, but every single day we are demonstrating signs of getting older. And we're taking each day a step closer to the grave. How long do you think you're going to live on this earth? 80 years? 90 years? Maybe a little more? The first 25 or 30, we're looking forward to getting older. But after that, not so much. You can work out every day at a health club. You can eat all the right foods. You can apply the right potions and lotions. You can put on the nice clothes for your Easter best. But eventually, eventually, Every single day, there's another wrinkle, another gray hair, and eventually the bones get brittle, joints stiffen, eyes grow dim, hearing fades, and one day you'll be wearing your Easter best in a coffin. And then your body will decay and bones will return to dust. Oh, the damage that death brings. Only a miracle can undo that damage. God worked just such a miracle on the first Easter. His son did the impossible. He came back to life, triumphant over the grave. The crown of thorns was gone. The bruises were gone. The bleeding flesh had ended. Death's damage had been undone. The apostle calls out, where, O oh, death, is your victory? Death has no victory. Jesus is the conqueror, and then he makes us the promise, because I live, you also will live. While we are on this earth, our physical bodies are deteriorating, and eventually in the grave, our bodies will decompose. But eventually, on the last day, on Judgment Day, the Lord Jesus will raise our bodies glorify them, to rejoin our souls. The details of what our exalted bodies will be like, the Bible doesn't tell us, but that's okay. That's not important. What's important is the wonderful truth that Jesus will keep his promise. Death's damage is undone. 
And even if we are still alive, when the last trumpet sounds, signaling the end of the world, the judgment day, even if we are still alive at that moment, that trumpet call will be a clarion call to unending joy. Here's the apostle. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable body must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When that has happened, then the saying written in scripture has been become true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It reads like a headline. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Death's damage is undone. You may have a Corinthian-like life with all kinds of problems that are just tearing apart your heart. Or you might be sailing through life carefree and content. Whatever your emotional state right now today, one thing is true for all of us. There will be an end to life. It's called death. But Easter is the big game changer. Easter even changes the playing field for the culture in which we live with its incessant drumbeat that anything and everything has to be tolerated except Christian values and virtues. But atheists, agnostics, and skeptics can make fun if they want, poo-poo it if they want, and try to deny it if they want, but they have no answer to the one historically verified fact that cannot be undone, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. They have no answer to that. Why in all the world would the disciples of Jesus stick to that Easter story when all they got out of it was pain and persecution? Why did that become the source of pinning their hope for eternity? It's because the resurrection of Jesus is the guarantee that God did something about death. Jesus swallowed it up in victory. The famous Lutheran theologian C.F.W. Walther was right when he wrote in a hymn, Oh, where is your sting death? We fear you no more. Christ rose and now open is fair Eden's door. For all our transgressions, his blood did atone, redeemed and forgiven. We now are his own. Christ is risen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you. Thank you.